Release the Kraken. All right, guys, welcome back to the Drunken Ship Podcast. I am here today with Cyber Calamity. Hey, yeah. And joining us today is our special guest, Brennan McCullough, otherwise known as Kiapu Online. He, if you haven't heard about him, he recently went viral on TikTok because he's developing a sick game called Break, um, which is a little Persona 5 inspired hip hop turn based RPG. And uh, it's pretty fucking sick. So, Brennan, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It is wonderful to be able to spend time with y'all. I uh, have been a fan as of like a week now because I found <laughs> y'all and uh, just ended up cyber-stalking you a little bit. But love your guys' dynamic. Love your love your whole shit and shebang. Like, it's it's fantastic. Well, welcome to board, man. Thank you. Yeah. So, Brennan, let's let's just let talk to me about your game. Talk to me about, like... This whole TikTok situation that you like find yourself in right now. Yeah. So in essence, what ended up happening, this whole process started technically, like if you want to go back to the beginning, beginning like seven years ago, right? Because I got into YouTubing, I got into content creation. And then my friend Aretha, who I met through, you know, internet, being internet friends, as of like about a month ago, went, Brennan, you need to make a TikTok. It's what all the Zoomers are doing. And I was like, all right, sure. Bet. I'll do that. (laughs) And... I <laughs> I did a uh, you, you're on TikTok. You know those trends mm-hmm. where it's like someone says something and they zoom in real close and it's like a plot twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was one where it was, "Oh, you like video games? Zooms in real close. Explain the plot of Kingdom Hearts to me." And I was like, <laughs> "This is my moment." Wait, I am was that so you? Ready. Yeah, that was me. Are that you we didn't serious? start the fire. Yeah, that I was found me. that like two like like two months ago. Whenever you posted that, I found that. Yeah, You've that was me. Been in my like section on TikTok for ages. Yeah, and no, I didn't even was, know that that was you. Yeah, that was the whole boy gets keyblade, boy needs world, boy gets light possessed by girl, like that one. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. I legitimately did not piece that together. <laughs> that's amazing. I watched that video like seven times when I found it. That was <laughs> incredible. But the point of the matter is, uh, I realized TikTok's potential and that I've been doing content wrong for seven years, and uh, <laughs> I ended up just having this idea because my my dad, I'm. I'm a computer science game design major from the University of California, Santa Cruz. I just graduated like February and I, uh, my dad shouted from the other room, Brennan, Bungie's hiring. And I was like, bet. So I ended up, uh, excuse me. I ended up going online and looking at their applications and all that sort of stuff. They still have yet to get back to me, but I ended up, uh, wanting to make something to be able to update my resume. And I do design work, I do programming, all that kind of thing. So I just posted a little TikTok asking for playtesters for a paper prototype. Nothing was digital. Nothing was coded. And I was like, hey, do you like this? Do you like this? Then you would like this. Do you like Persona, Final Fantasy? Do you like hip-hop and jazz? You should come playtest my paper prototype and tell me if I suck or not. And then... Before you go on, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, Sure. How do you do a paper prototype for like a digital concept like that? It's something very common, or at least in college, I believe it's common in the industry as well. In essence, it's a method of getting your systems down on paper so that you can play test quickly and have rapid iteration. So okay. it's like it's like a prototype, but you completely make it on paper. Like I had, I still have them, I believe, somewhere on my desk, but like freaking like flashcards with like stat information and okay. like D20s. I had the enemies as little batteries on a grid and like just... 
total like D&D stuff just to ma- see if these systems worked. Okay. And I had come up with it. I play tested with it with my brother and I posted a TikTok about it. And lo and behold, 50,000 views and 2,000 comments later and a potential like publisher lineup that I can't really talk about. Like <laughs> that must have been pretty I'm, surreal going from having this idea to posting it on TikTok on a whim. Yeah. Like how did you how did you handle that? Like did you have to scramble for some sense of normalcy? What what happened after that? Uh well I did a live stream that night that went until midnight and I tend to go until about six PM. So <laughs> that was that was fun. I, I I loaded in some rando on the internet and he became the voice of the people as we play tested this thing. And then in over the course of two weeks, uh I made the digital prototype that's publicly available now. So uh just it's my public itch page it's playable in browser anyone could go and give feedback there's a whole feedback form and we are also as of currently looking for a 3d modeler a 3d environmental modeler so if anyone like that is listening to this or watching this is like hey i love this idea i would love to work on this game go to the prototype fill out the application thing i'll get in touch perfect uh so what so um oh if you don't mind i would just like to ask like what program are you uh having a model in and stuff like that oh anything that works with unity okay anything, anything that works with unity in there yeah anything that you can do like anything that gets imported easily into unity that can access is like you know build files and color files and animation files and that kind of thing any of that will work so for example if you use blender if you use maya if you use any of those things like that would work fine gotcha sweet um, so tell us a little bit about the game. All right, you, sure. You build, the, you build the paper prototype. What's the game? So the game originally started in essence as a what if Persona 5's brilliant art style and UI had hip hop, like hardcore hip hop instead of jazz. And was also yellow because I like the color yellow. Like <laughs> I was like, what if, what if it did, what if it had that? And then I did a bunch of research into like people in the Sacramento area. I'm from Sacramento and like individuals that I could work with and that kind of thing. And the plot as of right now is that you're a new kid moving into a Bay area style city called Verdell and your father gets into an argument with one of his bosses. Who's an executive at a record label. And you learn about these ideas of like clout versus cream, which is sort of our working moral point system. Okay. Like, Sort of like, you know, if you're an old Wu-Tang head, cream stands for uh, casuals, everything around me. So, like, that sort of, that, that that kind of, like, moral choice, but instead of good and bad, it's reputation versus money. Right. And you have to sort of go and figure out how to build a squad of misfits and reclaim a city for the people that are in it from the evil record label and all that sort of stuff. So, that's sort of where we're at. In terms of mechanics, it's like if Persona 5 had its enemies in a grid, and mm. where the enemies are in the grid determined what moves they did, and you could change their positions in the grid. Okay. So, for example, front row enemies tend to do powerful single singular moves, mid row enemies tend to do weaker group moves, and back row enemies tend to do support. And by EQing, music lingo, uh, you're able to drag and drop enemies around the battlefield and set up side chains to enemies in the frontmost row. The more side chains you set up by getting a crit or hitting a weakness and break simultaneously, the exponentially more damage you do, wiping out enemies and feeling super satisfying. At least, I hope so. That is fascinating. I played the prototype. I don't know. We talked about it briefly, but I played the prototype. Mm -hmm. And the idea of sort of that party synergy 
um, mm-hmm. is so exciting for me in terms of the side chains. Yeah. Um, that's always like the thing that like I find really hard to grasp in RPGs, like how to make everyone work together instead of just hitting things with a hammer really hard. Yeah. Um, and man, from what I see from the prototype, like the side chain stuff is a really cool mechanic. Thank you. It's, it's, it's a really cool prototype. Um, just so everyone knows, we're going to have the link tree up in the description and it'll also flash on the screen every once in a while. Uh, so that you can see it and you can find all of Brandon's information regarding the game and all this page and stuff like that. So that'll be there and you should try the prototype out because it's a really fun prototype. Please do. It also would greatly help me if in the description of the itch page you clicked on the feedback form and let me know what you thought, what your favorite part was, what your least favorite part was, any bugs that I don't know about. If, for example, you click on something and everything explodes, it's not supposed to do that. (laughs) So just any sort of like, if you've wanted to help out an indie dev with a play test ever, let me know. Go ahead, Corgan. Oh, um, you said you had like a, you have a small team. Yeah, yeah. So the people that I can share that are on the team as of this moment, um, I was originally having a conversation with a uh, old friend of mine from high school who works at the Sacramento Songwriters Circle. And because I'm making a hip hop game, I wanted to have a black writer because hip hop is so, and I'm sure I don't have to say this, but hip hop is so historically black, culturally black, and that's not supposed to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Blue Onyx, for the follow. We appreciate you. (laughs) Um, Are you live right now? No, 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 I'm not. Okay. (laughs) No, they just followed off cam. I'm recording this. I just forgot to move Uh. the alert box down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I completely forgot what the question was. So, uh, what shit? What was the question? Oh, uh, I was just asking. You have a so you have a small team. Yes, yes, yes. Sacramento Songwriters Circle, Sacramento Songwriters Circle, and I mentioned to them that I needed a black writer, and they said Paul Willis, and Paul I'm like, Willis. who the hell is Paul Willis? As it turns out, he is a local underground hip hop legend in Sacramento. Completely like does equity work, works in education, does a bunch of stuff. Is a freestyle rap artist, works at like open mics. He's a legend in the Sacramento community that I just didn't know about because I'm not connected here. I was connected at my college, but I wasn't connected here. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, if I'm working on this video game, I'd love to be able to work with you. You seem like an awesome person. I listened to his album Wonderland, which is his most recent project, all about sort of Sacramento areas and his childhood growing up. And I want to say Detroit. Um, And he went, that's dope. Let me bring some of my friends in who are even better than I am. And I'll be your project manager and figure out how to write grants to fund this thing. So we just applied. We just applied for like a $10,000 grant from the California Arts Council. Holy shit. And we'll see if it comes through. But yeah, Paul and uh, there's there's our writer I'd like to think of is like the underground Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> like he, he's written like hip hop musicals and whatnot. And his wordplay is incredible. Uh, his name is Avery Wright. And our music supervisor, uh, he did not want his name public as of yet, but he goes by Rap Nerd. Okay. And he does a bunch of great beats. The uh, uh, Brian, you played the prototype, the beat on the menu screen. The initial like break menu screen was his. Okay, cool. So he's yeah. he's impeccable. They're all impeccable. And I am so excited to work with everybody. <laughs> you... That's awesome. I... Go, Go ahead. ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you you are also a musician yourself? 
Yes, yes. I went by Carry a Purpose for a while because it abbreviated a cap and I liked it. Uh, and I made a couple hip-hop projects, but to be honest, I, I love hip-hop. I grew up listening to hip-hop. Hip-hop was my childhood along with like 70s rock and 80s pop. So like, there's a lot of stuff there. But... I grew up loving rap music and wanting to make it, and I realized that as a programmer, as a game designer, as someone who's always wanted to be able to make games to give little kids the same sort of sense of like joy and happiness that I had when I played Jack and Daxter on the PlayStation 2, you know? Yeah. Like, sorry. as someone who does that, I figure there's a great way to be able to bring these things together in a way that little kids who grew up watching anime and listening to hip-hop and loving Dragon Ball could be able to hop into this game and go, hey, this is fantastic. That's awesome. I love the intersection of all of the like the different kind of nerddoms that there are yeah. going on right there. Um, that's something that I find really interesting about like indie games in general, because indie games are such a varied form of game development. Right. Um, and like you being a musician, being a coder, being like like this sort of nerd of hip hop music and anime. Right. It, it, it just seems like concepts that are like kind of meant to be together in a way. In a way, yeah. like Samurai Champloo did it very well. Yeah. Um, and Lord knows that Denzel Curry is a freaking weeb. Like I watched tons <laughs> of interviews with him and he, he goes off on his like, I believe it's like Naruto obsession. Like he yeah. loves like manga and it's the overlap between hip hop and anime is bigger than people think it is. Right. So the ability to be able to bring these things together and go, Hey, this could be amazing. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to do here. Cause like my story with hip hop and I'm going to be completely honest here. Right. Because mm -hmm. I figure transparency is the best kind of policy. I, when I, when I first got into hip hop, I listened to exclusively white artists, right? Not like intentionally. It wasn't like, Oh no, I don't like, you know, gangsters and all that sort of stuff, like massive freaking air quotes, but it was yeah. just something I didn't even think about. And then I looked at my iPod one morning and saw it was all white people and fallout boy. And I was like, this is a problem. Oh, come on. So, no, there's nothing wrong with fallout boy. There used to be nothing wrong with fallout boy, but <laughs> I, uh, I then looked up the most well-respected hip hop album that just came out and Kendrick Lamar just dropped a pimp a butterfly. And oh, dude, that's a great hip hop record. It's a, it's my favorite album I've ever listened yeah. to because I legit, again, intersection between hip hop and anime. I sat down, ground in Persona 3 FES, and listened to To Pimp a Butterfly for five hours until I got it. And from there, I was able to get into, you know, Denzel Curry, JID recently, but Jake Holt, old school Childish Gambino, freaking Injury Reserve and Brockhampton. Like, I adore hip hop and became such a hip hop nerd and was able to subvert that, or at least hopefully subvert that subconscious racism that exists yeah. and is super important to be able to address and talk about. So, so let me, let me ask you that because you, you mentioned that you specifically aimed for a black writer. Right. Um, and all this talk about like subverting that like sort of subtle hints of racism. Mm -hmm. Is there it, the inclusion of a black writer and sort of someone that leads a creative process like that? Why does that matter so much to you? Because representation is important. Because okay. I think that if I were to try and write this story myself, I grew up in a low-income area. I grew up in poverty, but I did not grow up as a young black youth. 
It was not something that I experienced. And if I were to tell a story about something I had not directly gone through, like, of course, there's fantasy. You can be able to put yourself into another person's shoes. But if I were to tell a story about something that I had not gone through in an art form that was not unique to my culture and heritage, I would not be able to do that justice. That makes sense. I respect yeah. that, man. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was a matter of I needed to be able to bring in somebody that knew more than I did. And I think it's super important to be able to admit, hey, I don't know this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 one of the biggest conflicts about like content creation in general. When, mm-hmm. you have the, when you have those type of stories, it's like, what can I say? What can I not say? What should I say? Right. You know, the, those kinds of things. That's that's r- it's really impressive that you've gone for that brand of representation. I, I really do love that. I, I try to. I try to do my best. It's about, in my mind, because I once, <laughs> I was a local underground rapping bouncer in Santa Cruz, and uh, I gave a guest lecture in a hip-hop class that I had once taken because I was friends with a professor. And I talked about conscious authenticity, which is a concept where you need to be who you are. Like, because if you're fake, people can smell that up from a mile away. Right. Hip-hop is obsessed with trying to, you know, expose ghostwriters and that kind of thing. But... You need to be authentic to who you are while also conscious of your surroundings, you know, racially, economically, societally, politically, uh, environmentally, culturally, and historically. Right. So, and in case you can't tell, that was an acronym I just went through in my head. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's important to be able to understand, and I don't mean to be preachy here, but it's important to be able to understand where these things come from in context with you and your community to be able to make good art. Right. You know? And so... so- Sorry that we've gone kind of on this rabbit hole, but I, oh, I you're find fine. It really interesting. How does that affect your idea making for the game itself when you're when you're trying to be that conscious about these kinds of things and like still make something really good? Um, how does that affect your process? It's a matter of I come up with an idea and I go, hey, this is cool, and then I talk to people that are represented by that idea. So it's not like I'm sitting there and going, oh man, I need to not be racist. It's a matter of like, I come up with an idea that I think is awesome. I go talk to Paul, who is specifically our project manager, who's obsessed with these ideas of invalid ideas of equity and representation, this kind of thing. I'm like, hey, Paul, what if we did this? And Paul could, Paul normally goes, hey, that's awesome. But every now and then he's like, hey, you're being an idiot. And <laughs> it's important to be able to check myself like that. Okay. So I still v- I view it as it's important to have a relationship with the people that you're making the art with, because if you're not doing that, then no one could be able to check you. I think above all, I want to be held accountable, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's a, uh, I, I, I love that. I talk to a lot of content creators. A lot, I talk to a lot of makers. There's a lot of, in the industry, there's a lot of insensitivity when it comes to that kind right. of, of just influence especially when you're talking about like adopting things from hip-hop and mm-hmm. and cultures that are not specifically our own right um that is that's sick man thank you um there's so, there's been many sleepless nights of thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> i bet especially in today's culture where that's like really really important fair um, so so let, let go ahead Corgan. oh uh i just wanted to ask about uh so that's like one step in your process of your pipeline of um, developing sure. your game and stuff uh mm-hmm. could you run us through like what is like a daily a daily day a day to day in your development of this game the prototype was very much i woke up at about 
3 a.m. because I went to bed at 6 because I'm a boomer. Uh, and <laughs> I coded for at least like six to eight hours and then took time for myself to be able to decompress so that I didn't burn out and then went to sleep and repeated it the next day. But now that we have a team, I've brought on a producer, I've brought on artists, I've brought on obviously a representation equity manager, I've brought on, you know, writers and a writer and a musician and all these people. It's a matter of obviously I brought on a producer to be able to handle the top down work because I am, I may be a good designer, at least in my opinion, I am horrible at managing timesheets. So like someone who knows how to do that and knows how games are made. So I would work in specifically when I worked on projects before my design, my code, that sort of thing. But on indie teams, everyone wears different hats and knows what everyone else is doing. Right. That makes sense. It's almost like, um, in some, in some cases you have to wear multiple hats and do multiple things and because it's such a small compressed team that like maybe like you know i might do this on the daily but i might have to help out in you know, encoding or uh, might right. have to help out in like modeling and stuff like that absolutely and i guarantee you that if i were a coder or a designer working in a triple a company i would not be doing an interview on a podcast that is not <laughs> like that is not the hat that i would wear but because i'm indie because it's there's sort of this mentality of a cult of personality around indie developers that obviously i'm attempting to be able to bring in right. um there's there's multiple hats that need to be worn and you need to be comfortable with as many hats as possible while also recognizing what you can't do i can't draw <laughs> <laughs> I am horrible at it. I'm sure you noticed, Brian, in the prototype when you played it, that it was all circles and spheres and capsules. Yeah. I did not want to draw because I cannot draw well. <laughs> and I can't manage timesheets well. But what I can do is code and come up with good design ideas. So if I can bring in people that fill in the holes that I have, I can make something great. I mean, that's that's all... That's what getting a good team is all about. It's the same thing in like filmmaking. Like If you suck at something, just get someone that can do it. Right. Um, I love that. I wanted to ask you, so the, the, the technical process of developing this game. Sure. Um, what, okay, actually, no, sorry, scrap that question. Okay. What I want to ask you is, I want to talk specifically more about like the indie versus the AAA okay. attitudes of gaming. Like, now you're an indie developer. You graduated Which is not something that. I expected, but yeah. <laughs> How did, yeah, so did you really, what was your path before you suddenly found yourself in this indie developing situation? I've known that I've wanted to make games ever since I was four. Like, I've played Jack and Daxter, I played Sly Cooper, I played Infamous as a teenager, I'm a big fan of Sucker Punch Productions, the Ghost of Tsushima people. Dude, Sucker Punch is such a great studio. Uh-huh. They do great work. They're underrated, because everyone's like, Naughty Dog! And I'm like, Sucker Punch! Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I grew up wanting to make games, and I didn't start coding until I was 18. Okay. I, I did not have any coding experience in high school. I was great at math, right. but I didn't do any code work until I went to college. And I was really nervous when I first went in because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this well. And ended up just being pretty decent at it. Because have you, have you ever played like the Professor Layton games? No, I haven't. They're, they're these narrative-based puzzle games, for those who are listening who don't know, who... Or like they 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 have those puzzles that are connected to this plot mm-hmm. that carries through, and it's this big mystery. Whenever I solved a really difficult puzzle in Professor Layton, I always got that kick of dopamine in the back of my head, you know, <laughs> yes. like the yeah, I did it. That's me. I'm smart as heck. Like 
I get that same kick of dopamine when I solve a bug problem. <laughs> and that is what got me into coding. Like the being able to sit there and then go, oh my God, it works. I've made something, you know? Yeah, and then I... just in terms of the path that I walked, like I had every intention of working as a cog in the machine for a few years and eventually starting my own studio under a publisher. But now that I've got this fan base that emerged out of nowhere and people that are kicking down my door going make this game like it's it's honestly insane i'm incredibly grateful for it and i'd never expected to and I, i'm not there yet obviously i have like 4k tiktok followers and edmund mcmillan who's the binding of isaac guy has like right. at least a hundred thousand twitter but <laughs> i never thought i'd go down that route i never did you kind of just like I, fell into it right like, yeah absolutely Go ahead, Ron. No, I, w I was going to ask, how do you, is there any pressure associated with that when you're like trying to make a product and maintaining this persona? Like, how do yeah. you deal with that? Um, it's hard not to care. Okay. Because it's, I did YouTube work for like seven years and whenever, just for like fun. And whenever I put out a video, I was always super anxious about what people thought of it. But there was always another thing that I went, next time I started a project, I was like, what can I do better this next time? What can I improve? And of course that's not the best mental health advocacy plan, but okay. it was always something that I tried. And then I met a professor in UC Santa Cruz by the name of Marcelo, who is amazing. And I love him. And he sat me down and told me I needed to find balance in my life. And I hated him for like six months, but he's amazing. <laughs> and one of the things that he taught us when he was teaching freaking typography and graphic design, was this phrase, and it's gonna sound really bizarre, but hold, stay with me for a second. The phrase, kill your babies. <laughs> yeah, same. We have to go through that in screenwriting too. Mm -hmm. I know so, what you're talking about. So for those who don't know, uh, it's very much a, if you have an idea, it is not precious. You need to be able to scrap it and come up with a new one. Right. So if, if your idea is not well received, if your idea doesn't work, if your idea is not good, it's never a, an ego hit to let go of that idea. So if people had come on to the prototype and gone, man, this sucks, like I would have scrapped it and tried to come up with something different. Right. But the only negative comment that I've gotten so far is from a rando on the internet on the feedback forum. And I quote, bruh, these beats are ass. And that's <laughs> one out of like the multiple comments that we've gotten. So it's, it's been a really positive reception at least like, and I had people rank it. I think we're at an average of like an eight out of 10, nice. which is really good for a first time indie dev. So I'm, I'm again, incredibly grateful. And it's a matter of just being able to let go at any point. So if the process comes along, I post another prototype and they go, Hey, this feature is bad. This feature is not well received. We go back to the drawing board. We go back to what worked and come up with something else. Got you. Um, on the, on the game, I want to talk to you so much about like your, like your favorite games that you played as a kid, sure. like things that brought you into the gaming sphere. Um, but before we get into that, I, I want to ask you, what do you envision for this game? What is your end goal? I will admit, ever since I was a little kid, I've always, I've always wanted to be on the stage of E3. <laughs> okay. Like, that's always something I wanted to do, just be able to give a presentation about something I've made. Like, get up in front of people and go, hi, I'm me, this is me. But the goal of Break is not to get famous. 
like, sure, it's nice, but it's not to be able to like make money. It's to be able to, and I've, I've had this mentality ever since I was a little kid to a tell a story that's not normally told because I'm tired of hearing stories about people that look like me right? and B be able to give somebody the same sense of joy and comfort that I got whenever I played games during a rough childhood. I want to give back. That's the goal. That's incredible. Bro, I I feel sorry to cut you off there, Bron. No, you're good. I completely understand you 100% through that. I feel exactly the same and I I think we're having a real hard to heart here because I know exactly what place that is coming from cuz I I am in the exact same boat. Um I didn't have a lot of friends as a kid. Mm-hmm. I you know, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents when I was a kid and mm-hmm. playing video games when I was a kid was really like, you know, home for me. So I understand completely where you're coming from and I applaud you. For that. Thank you. That's great. What were yeah. what were some of the games that you played to help escape? Uh so uh Halo. Halo is probably like so I had the original Xbox oh, when I was boy. a kid. Um well that's where I kinda like first that's that was like my first personal console. Like I think I had a handy down from I remember going in the basement when I was like a really little kid playing with my brother. Uh we'd play like Mortal Kombat on our sixty four. Mm-hmm. And Golden Eye and shit, and I I didn't know how to play any of it. But when I was a, uh, when I got a little bit older, my parents got me an Xbox, and I was I remember playing like, uh, Jet Set Radio, was like nice. I went Jet to Set that. Jet Set Radio is such a classic. Oh man, and even like I like Jet Set Radio, like what you're bringing up, kind of like your game is like Jet Set Radio. I'm kind of getting a lot of like Jet Set Radio vibes from kind of mm-hmm. how it is, and uh, just games like that, and then like Halo Two. It was like I, I I can't tell you how many times I played through the Halo Two campaign, and then when I got Halo Three, it was a done deal. Like I got dove into uh, Xbox Live and all that stuff. So yeah, that makes uh, sense. Go ahead. How, uh, how about uh, how about y'all? Just oh, sorry, you didn't mean that towards me. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> how about you, Ron? What'd you grow up with? Man, I, I I had a lot of the same experiences, except like like Xbox was my first thing, and my mm-hmm. dad pirated it. He modded it. So I had pretty much all of the Xbox games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember Jet Set Radio. I remember Max Payne. And I remember Halo 1 and 2. Nice. Those were like, those were like my first introduction into like, like grown-up video games. Yeah. Um, but before all of that, I was a Nintendo kid. And I was a, I was a GameCube kid. So nice. I played a lot of Zelda. Played a lot of PlayStation 2, Final Fantasy 7, uh, Final Fantasy 10, Final Fantasy 10-2. Uh, just surrounded myself with those sort of stories that were like so fantastical. And I'm, yeah. in this, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Like I didn't have very many friends when I was a kid, um, and I was always kind of like the lead, like the least popular, right, kid in the group. So I was a nerd, and I played Pokemon, Zelda, Final Fantasy, and I was like always really involved in those stories. And they really did spark this kind of like love for. The same way that you got a love for game developing and like making the games, mm-hmm. I got the same itch for making the stories that the games were coded around. Right. And uh, I just got hit with that bug. And it's like Final Fantasy, the Japanese games, a lot of Japanese games. Yeah. And, you know, just watching Dragon Ball, watching anime, watching Bleach. Um, fighting games were a big thing for me. So it, it, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of just really fun really expansive stories about people that were going through 
something rough and like them persevering through it. I always mm -hmm. got a really positive emotion from playing games. Yeah. It's interesting because Crockett, you had an Xbox upbringing and Ron, you had an originally like a Nintendo upbringing. Mm -hmm. I was a Sony kid. I grew up <laughs> with all of like, I got started with the PlayStation two, right? Yeah. I'm in that weird generation. That's like not a millennial, but not a zoomer. I was born 98. So I, I grew up with like the PlayStation 2. That was my first thing. And I played Jack and Daxter, the original Sly Cooper. I didn't play Ratchet and Clank till I was like 16, but like Batman Adventure 2 and yeah. like a lot of 3D platformers. Uh, I didn't. And then from there, the first JRPG, because you mentioned Final Fantasy, you mentioned all that. The first JRPG I really got into was when I stole my mother's save file in Kingdom Hearts 1. Like, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts was, 1 was my fir the first JRPG that I ever finished. Nice. The first one that I beat. My mom still has yet to beat it. <laughs> she, I've, I've played literally every Kingdom Hearts game except for the most recent Melody of Memory. Mm -hmm. And... My mom, she, she was originally stuck in Atlantica because everyone gets stuck in Atlantica. And she got to the end of the world and then got busy with work. So yeah. our, our agreement is that when, like, I'm, like, a full-fledged adult, because I'm, like, 23, when I'm, like, a full-fledged adult with, like, a real job and all that sort of stuff, and she retires, she's going to come live with me and live in my basement and play all the video games I played when I was younger. That was the <laughs> agreement that we had. That's great. I love that. So... Kingdom Hearts was your first JRPG. Yeah. Have you been a fan ever since? <sighs> Not of turn-based, actually. Interesting. I, I grew up on action games and action RPGs. So I played a lot of, like, my teenage years were full of Uncharted and Infamous and loving indie games, but I didn't get into turn-based RPGs until... I convinced my parents to buy me the worst console in history, not in terms of quality, but in terms of support, which is the PlayStation Vita. Oh, okay. and love, love it. I love it. But like, that, was, that is the best console that never made it. Yeah. No kidding. But I, I got a PlayStation Vita and I got Persona 4 Golden. Yeah. And it was then that I got into turn-based RPGs. I've been able to play like other older Final Fantasies that I'm trying to get into. I'm, I'm still trying to get into the 7 remake just when I have time. But I want to play 10. I want to play 9 and 12, like the weird ones, yeah. you know? And uh, from there, I got into, you know, Persona 3. And then I Persona 5 came out when I turned 18. Right. And it was the quintessential game that made me transition into adulthood. Like, that happened during a time in my life when I had a lot of stuff going on. I was adjusting to college. I was getting on antidepressants for the first time. And, like, a lot of stuff was happening. So, my tattoo that I have on my forearm, which I'll quickly show off a little bit here. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Is, uh, you got the Kingdom Hearts Keyblades. You got Sly Cooper's cane. You got a Jack and Daxter Precursor Orb. And then Joker's Mask as, like, a little adulthood stamp over the childhood, you know? I love that. That's great. Yeah, Persona 5 was one of the first... I've played a lot of JRPGs, but Persona 5 was one of the first like game stories that like hit me hard in the way that yeah. like, they told their story. Because it was all about like this rebellion against mm -hmm. like the things that were oppressing you like as an individual, as like, the, 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 the people around you. And uh, I think I was... If you were 18, I was probably 20 when that game came out. Yeah. Um, and I just remember it having the same impact. We played a lot of the same games. Yeah, we we are yeah. pretty similar in that trajectory because I remember 
being a after being a Nintendo kid, I was a PlayStation Two kid. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts was my first PlayStation Two game that I ever played. Nice. The first one that I ever beat. I walked into game. I walked out of GameStop with a PS Two and a copy of Kingdom Hearts. And I remember picking it up purely because the back of the cover had Goofy and Donald <laughs> and this weird spiky hair kid. I had yeah. no idea what it was. Yeah. I could not beat it for like three years. Uh, yeah. And finally got around to like going into the game, like understanding the game. And then Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. And Kingdom Hearts 2 has ever since been my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. I think it is the quintessential Kingdom Hearts game. It's so good. Yeah. And from then on, like, got the PS3, got the got the Xbox 360, played the Sucker Punch games, like Infamous. Infamous is one of the best concepts I've ever seen in a game. Yeah, It's agreed. such a great idea. Yeah. And uh, it's... My point is, it's really fun to see that other people that played the same shit that, that I played as a mm-hmm. kid are, like, now making the games that, honestly, I also want to see get made. Right, because if we if we grew up with the same sensitivities, mm-hmm. and we grew up with the, consuming the same content, we probably have a lot of the same ideas as to like what games we want to play and make. Very and I think much that's so. Really, I think that's really cool. Yeah, you mentioned rebellion for Persona Five, and I think if Persona Five had fight, if Persona Five had to be described in one word, it would be rebellion. Yeah. If I had to describe it in multiple words, it would be like if Tarantino and Miyazaki made a movie together. But <laughs> it's 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 rebellion. I've been I've been sitting down and thinking because I, I had that idea about rebellion for Persona Five like a few days ago, and I've been sitting down and thinking what is breaks one word, mm-hmm. right? And it's identity. Interesting. It's who it's figuring out who you are. Like, instead of, like, rebelling against a society that doesn't want you to be who you are, there's obviously similar themes. It's more so that discovery of self. Like, and I'm going to reference a movie here. I'm very film and TV illiterate, but one film I have seen and loved was the original Kung Fu Panda. And you Dude, know Kung how, Panda's like... Incredible. Yeah, but, like, spoilers for Kung Fu Panda, but if you yeah. haven't seen Kung Fu Panda, go watch it. You know the dragon scroll thing? Yeah. And the whole, like, the plot twist is, like, it was within you all along. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. <laughs> that's what I want for break. That's exactly what I want. That's what, that, I mean, that's a, that is one of, there's, like, five stories in film and TV uh-huh. that people tell. And that is one of, like, the, probably one of the basics, but one of the most impactful five yeah. stories, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's such a cool idea of, like, identity and finding out who you are. And going on this like this journey, not to rebel against the people that don't want you to be, but like like you said, finding that little nugget of who you are. Mm-hmm. And because at the end of the day, that's kind of all we have. That's such a familiar yeah. little thing. Um, Kung Fu Panda is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Kung Fu Panda. I'll watch it any day. <laughs> I don't think I ever sat through an entire series. Like, I don't think I ever paid attention completely through Kung Fu Panda. I think they showed... I was, like, I think in seventh grade, and they showed it in class, and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm going to play Yu-Gi-Oh! with my friends. Yo, I didn't get into Yu-Gi-Oh! until college. I, uh... I, my, my dad used to run a comic book store, and, uh... Dude, that's awesome. He, yeah, yeah. It was called Comics and Comics in Berkeley. And, uh... He... We used to have leftover stock when it shut down, and we would just take all the old Magic the Gathering cards, and he would teach me how to, like, count and, like, play MTG. And I didn't get into uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! until my roommate Archibald in college went, Brennan, if you're going to live with us, you need to play (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! And, of course, I played the freaking Fluffles. Like, that was, like, (laughs) that was where it was at. 
That's funny. I, exact same thing happened to me, but it was Magic instead of Yu-Gi-Oh. There you go. And then and then later on, I got back into Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> so I play. I, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic simultaneously with each other. That was broke nice. for a very long time. I've never yeah. beaten Crockett in a game of Magic the Gathering. You beat me in Magic for I've on. never beat you in Magic. The Eldrazi aren't you, that bad. Knowing you were playing that Eldrazi deck. They're not that, that bad. <laughs> they're not that bad. It's not that good of a deck. Nah, hey, at least you weren't playing like a sliver deck like those. <laughs> <laughs> I would attack you and like my deck would be gone in three turns. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> I'll take I'll be taking twenty cards off the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for anyway, me, the progression for me the progression was magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! and then Hearthstone. Like I got I, I was a big Hearthstone fan until the pandemic hit and I got depressed. I need to get back into it. <laughs> like Oh, uh, speaking of like RPGs, I know you like you. So you're into RPGs and um, yeah. turn-based games and stuff. Have you ever played the Cyber Sleuth series? No. Oh, dude, if you if you're into Digimon, I would highly recommend Cyber Sleuth. Uh, amazing game. I absolutely adore that game to death. I probably put in 150 hours into uh, Cyber Sleuth. Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually write that down on one of my note cards that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, okay. and there's like farming characters, and it's. You can just sink hours and hours and hours into that game, and there's if you have a switch, you can get it on. You can get both Cyber Sleuth games in a bundle for like forty bucks or something. Oh wow, just that's plug awesome. I'm, I can't, I'm just giving it a free plug right now, but I'd highly recommend that game if you're into uh, turn-based. Because I honestly didn't get into turn-based until uh, I played Persona Five. That was my first. Right. Uh, my first uh, turn-based game was The Last Remnant, and it made me hate turn-based for the longest <laughs> time. Because I was like, I was in a. Cause when I was a kid, I was like, I, like I only played shooters. So when right. I got, the, so when I got, um, I think I got a last remnant as like a divorce gift. You know, when your parents are trying to like, uh, one up Damn. each other. So my dad randomly surprised me with a, um, with a video game, and, and I was like, what is this? He, it just had some like anime kid on it with a big sword, and he was like, yeah, he yeah. like this. Which I was like, oh, this is cool looking actually, and uh, I hated it. And I, yeah. really, I was like, "Fuck, what is this?" I like, I had no idea what was going on. It looked cool, but I was like, turn base. So I, I have to a just copy like of that game. And as an RPG lover, playing that game was a goddamn nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do want to go back and play it because they remastered it, and I was like, "Let me conquer this. Let me actually beat this game that I only got. Pa- I maybe put in like five hours and and then just quit." So for um, me, my my story of like minus the divorce part, but like my dad bought me the original Sly Cooper just because it had like a cuddly raccoon on the cover. Yeah, and then I started sneaking around the house trying to steal shit without anybody knowing. <laughs> like <laughs> little Black Panther noises happening all around. The <laughs> I'm thinking more Mission Impossible meets like furries, like dun 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 dun, dun cookie jar, like. So, um, other than like game developing, you also are a big TikTok star and Twitch streamer. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> a man of many talents, apparently. I guess I, 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 I guess I'm a polymath. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think you are. I, I think you I officially think, qualify. So, I think the goal is to be the gaming childish Gambino. Like, <laughs> we're well, definitely on the way, man. <laughs> Thank so, you. Uh, when did so? When did you start uh, Twitch streaming and get into all of this? And, uh, high school. High school. Yeah, I've been streaming since 2015. Nice. Yeah, when I was like, well, no, I was 16 when I started. So somewhere between 2014 2015 is when I started. 
Nice. We started. We started at the same age. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I've been. I I got into content creation a long time ago too, mm-hmm. doing the same, trying to do the YouTube game. Did a whole game from the spire inspired situation. For me, I was inspired by the likes of like game analytics videos because I was always love design work, but meets like demolition D style humor, like like the whole like really kind of in retrospect you know how like when you watch something as a kid you're like oh this is awesome and then you go back when you're an adult and you're like why did i ever enjoy this <laughs> yep. for me not no diss on demo because he's gone into twitch streaming and become this like twitch icon now but for me the two things that i can't stand now that i'm an adult are hollywood undead and <laughs> demolition d <laughs> like Granted, Hollywood Undead went through some uh, a lot of changes since True, true. They're the worst parts of rap rock, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> if 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 you play Break later on and you go, this gives me Hollywood Undead vibes. Hunt me down and smack me. Like, <laughs> um, just a good old open face slap. Yeah, please. So, <laughs> so did you get into? Uh, TikTok to you, you said you got into TikTok to promote your game or you've always you've been doing TikTok. I got into TikTok because my friend in Australia went Brennan you're making content just it's another social media platform make stuff. Right. And this happened a month ago. Wow, wow you've only been doing TikTok for a month? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah, I've, I've watched some of your videos they're really well made and stuff. Oh, thank you. I've, I mean, I've been doing YouTube content for like seven years, so I know how to video edit. But right. there you go. Yeah. The, what do you What TikTok, do you mainly edit in? Uh, I did. I was origin. I got started in iMovie, and then I got. I was friends with this YouTuber who I'm not gonna name because we have some baggage, just private stuff. But they got me into Final Cut Pro, and then when I upgraded to PC, I edit exclusively in DaVinci Resolve, which is this great free program that does video editing work. I and will die on every hill for DaVinci Resolve. Same though. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So uh, let's go back to let's go back to TikTok a little bit. Sure. Because you you've you've been you got into TikTok and you said that you've like been doing content wrong yeah. ever since you started. What does that mean? What did you learn from TikTok? I learned that no one wants to watch me break down gameplay analysis videos and design work on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I did like funny educational skits meets like like gaming English teacher. Right. Like I was I was trying to break down like what analysis things meant. I think the best video I've ever done was on Danganronpa V3 and how it satirized nihilism with absurdist philosophy. And like that kind of like in-depth English teacher stuff. Yeah. And I made that and I only got like maybe 2000 views max on right. any video I've ever done. And I was super proud of myself. And then I did some dumb Kingdom Hearts thing and got 200,000. So like <laughs> Uh, well, I think the thing I've learned is that if you spend your time polishing your craft in a way that takes forever to do it, yeah, you may blow up. People may go, hey, this is amazing. But your likelihood of success is so much better if you can just knock stuff out. And TikTok seems to be the best platform for that. I can just sit in front of a sit in front of my camera talk make little every now and then jokes and go hey support my game and get like a thousand views like right it's it's bonkers and i 
it's what's made me think that I was doing content wrong. Not necessarily wrong, because I'm not saying that, you know, I grew up watching like uh, Captain Christian. Like yeah. the one of the he's one of my favorite YouTubers. He does in depth, like well video edited breakdowns and came up with one of my favorite like design philosophies ever. Like I love in depth and analytical vids and Eurothug four thousand, I think is her mm -hmm. name. She does great gameplay breakdowns and she went viral for her Death Stranding video. I love that type of content. Oh, I but think I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, she's anyway. she's she's great, but when I say I was doing content wrong, I mean I was doing my content wrong. Right. I was I was not being true to who I want to be. So I think TikTok and being able to be like, you know, make a quick little funny thing and talk about the game and <laughs> I'm just I'm looking forward to if the day comes when break is considered TikTok's first viral video game. Like that'll be that'll be awesome if if we can get there. That'll be crazy. I, ho I hope yeah. you get there, man. I hope you get same, there. Same, same. Uh, to kind of go uh, a little bit back to um, like your dev team and stuff. Sure. Uh, do, you, do you have like a script outline? You have a like narrative drawn storyboards. You have all that um, already pre-made, and you're just looking to uh, flush all those out. Are you still in the kind of like the concept designing and like you know? finding the voice and direction of it right now or we found sort of the voice we found sort of the direction our plot if any of you know the hero's journey it's up to the crossing of the threshold that's where oh. we're at and we are still trying to come up with exactly who our characters are and we've we've sort of come up with where they live we've made a mood board full of like artistic inspirations like i managed to convince a person to work on the project because I said, hey, you get to draw characters like Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective, and the world ends with you. Like, and they they went, awesome! I want to be on this! Like, <laughs> so that was sort of where we're at. We're very much in the concept phases and prototyping phase. Okay. So, one of the things that we put on this grant is that hopefully we'd be able to produce a playable demo within a year. Okay. Because the way these things tend to work is you come up with an idea, you produce a demo for it, and then you show that demo to publishers so that you're early enough in the process so they can exert their influence, but late enough in the process so that they know you can produce a product. Right. So that you're, they're not starting from scratch and investing right. in you. There's right. some evidence. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are still in the very early phases. We're having our first group team meeting tomorrow. Nice. Like getting everyone that I know together and going, please work, <laughs> like <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, that's that's in general what's what's going on. And we're like I said, we're still very early, but we've got ideas for where we're gonna go. We have prototype ideas that I'm gonna start working on probably come next week or the week after because I'm getting my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine late next week. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to be bedridden for three days and uh, <laughs> i have heard like a lot of people get sick after they get that second shot yeah yeah i'm i'm looking forward to being immune but not looking forward to the consequences yeah right i, I i'm ready to be in bed any day of the week i Man, that is awesome. I am incredibly excited to see what comes out of this game, like the content that comes out of it. Same. Um, I, Same, because I, I don't know what it's going to be either yet, but we'll, yeah. we'll be Isn't figuring it out. the funnest part about making something like this? It's like, you're making it, but you don't fucking know what it looks like. like 
Yeah. Good. You know, it's, it's exciting. And the main thing is that I have all these ideas in my head and I need to figure out how to write them down to get everyone to go, oh, that's a good idea. Let's make that. <laughs> yep. That's the plight of any leader in like any creative part project. It's like, how do you translate this to someone's head? Yeah. Um, man, I'm excited. So we have like half an hour left. Let's just sure. shoot the shit. Shoot Absolutely. The shit. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to. What are you excited about coming out in the next couple of months? I'm, I, I, I'll tell you my first one. Resident sure. Evil 8 comes out. Oh my god, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Big titty goth girlfriend vampire. <laughs> Bro, the marketing team has... Like, their job... They're like, yeah, just take it off early today. This game is selling itself. Dude, they barely did any marketing. They released two trailers and a demo and just fucking went radio silent. They say, that's, we, that's insane, like, how, like, the internet just will... If the internet will adopt something, their marketing's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this game's gonna, you know, do it excellent. The marketing budget yeah. plummeted. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, yeah. we need one, maybe zero guys on this. <laughs> one of the first, like, I, I like making music, and one of the first TikToks I did was of uh, that, like, uh, like the lady Dimitrescu in Resident Evil 8, but to the tune of Goo Goo Dolls Iris. Like, like just, I want sexy vampire lady, like that kind of thing. Like, Brennan, I think I've just realized something. I yeah, think I've been up? inadvertently following you on TikTok for like the the amount of time that you've been on TikTok. <laughs> I, I I think that I found that Lady Dimitriska video. I found yeah. the Kingdom Hearts video, and that's when I follow. I've been following you on TikTok for ages. <laughs> Pog. Pog. <laughs> Poggers. I, I think I've realized that. Um, so I just download. I, I like. I deleted. I had TikTok for like a day, and then I deleted mm-hmm. it, and then I redownloaded it today again, and uh, yeah. so I could watch some of your videos and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I realized that that app will rapid fire you, fucking every video on the internet, like in the span of like an hour. So mm-hmm. it, I'm not surprised that <laughs> everyone has come across everyone's video with like so fast because it just. Yeah, just yeah, it's just like. It's it's the most interesting thing, because I feel like when I was younger, I had a longer attention span. Same. Like now that I'm like 23 and I'm scrolling through TikToks, and it's it. I think the descent was when Vine happened. Like yeah, when when we were able to like start consuming quick little six second video content, and my attention. Not saying the world's, but like my attention span got so short, and also symptom of depression covid i haven't been able to watch anything but like youtube videos and tiktoks i've tried sitting down to watch a netflix series and i get one episode in yeah i know exactly what you mean the same thing happened to me like like i'm a huge movie guy i fucking love movies like yeah when the pandemic hit i couldn't watch anything i was like i just could not get into the mood to watch anything that i wanted to watch i am very film and tv illiterate but i want to ask y'all because i've wanted to watch more movies what are what are your favorites so I got, I got three favorite directors, and I'll like sure. tell you the director, and then tell you like my favorite movie from them. Sure. Um, Martin McDonough in Bruges is a phenomenal film. Okay. He's a he's an I, I think he's he might be English or Scottish. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got that Guy Ritchie sort of like quick fire witty dialogue. Mm-hmm. Love it. In Bruges is one of my favorite films. I watched it when I was like sixteen. Mm-hmm. Watch it again when I was like 23 to make sure that it wasn't cringy to still like it. <laughs> right. Um, I, I got to do another watch to make sure that it's still not cringy. Right. Uh, to like it. Um, 
but man, strongly recommend. It is such a fun little film. And then Edgar Wright with mm-hmm. uh, your boy little Baby Driver. I man, rip Kevin Spacey, but I need to, <laughs> I need to watch more. Uh, I need to watch more Edgar Wright films. I hate that. I hate that Kevin Spacey's in that movie because it's such a good movie. I know. <laughs> I grew up loving The Usual Suspects. Yeah, yeah. And Can't now it's like I <sighs> look. Personally, I don't think cancel culture is a problem. Yeah, I think it's holding people accountable for their actions. Like, we don't put up with racism anymore. We don't put up with sexism anymore. We're not... They're canceling Dr. Seuss. Shut up. But, like, <laughs> I I wish it happened to everyone that I didn't like, you know? Yeah, yeah I know exactly what you mean. I have the same problem. Like, Woody Allen makes some fantastic and incredible movies. Can't fucking watch a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> Just simply cannot do it. Don't want to give yeah. money to like, anything that he. So does. you start watching them, like really paying attention, and you start seeing like the the signs of it. Yeah, yeah. I should have. I should have known <laughs> when start, I watched them. You start American really Beauty. like looking deep into, it and you're like, oh, that was weird. I didn't never notice that before. <laughs> what was that underage girl? That's also his daughter. And what's it's, what's going on here? Really makes you like sat at the edge of your couch, going like, uh, I should have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, I should have known when I watched American Beauty that Kevin Spacey was not going to be a great dude. Like, I should have, I should have known that. <laughs> Crockett, Just, if you don't know, Kevin Spacey's character in American Beauty falls in love with like a seventeen-year-old. Oh, is that the, is that the movie where like he's like fantasizing like from the bleachers on like the cheerleaders yep. and she opens up her? I've never seen it, but I know the, I know the, the scene. That like, scene, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like I don't think he was acting. I think he was just legitly. <laughs> it's like no, he's playing that villain a little bit too well. Yeah. Yeah, man, I I feel the same way. Like I wish like all of like the movie. I, I liked a lot of movies, and I like a lot of movies that were like produced by Miramax and produced by Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. And like that's just a hard situation to be in. Like yeah, he he funded some of the greatest movies of all time, and like just making making peace with what you should watch what you can support what you shouldn't support it's like such an interesting part of like it is it is now and like i don't i don't think that cancel culture right i said i don't think it's bad but like i also don't think it means you shouldn't enjoy something like it's a piece of art and i think unless the art is directly about that artist we should be able to in some way separate them but yeah. at the same time, it's important to understand the context surrounding something and its creator. So there's it's a, it's a juggling act, and that's like, that's exactly where where I stand on it too. Like some really great stuff is made by some really problematic picture. I mean, mm-hmm. people, um, like like Roman Polanski made one of easily one of the best horror Chinatown. movies of all time. Uh, Chinatown, uh, yeah, Chinatown and uh, Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby is easily one of the best horror pictures ever made. Ooh. And it's made by this huge fucking sociopath that like... Right. And it, it's separating what you can learn, what you can watch, and like what you should enjoy, knowing the context of those things. And that's kind of where I feel like a lot of things get lost in the discourse online, specifically Twitter. Mm. It's like they, they really don't have the capacity to contextualize what they're watching with the real world environment that it came in. I think it depends on what part of Twitter you're on. Yeah, I think I'm in the annoying part of Twitter, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I find that 
there's a lot of sensationalist stuff out there, but do your own research and go to veritable sources. But yeah. rewind somewhat. Crockett, favorite movies? Oh, um, A Cat in a Hat. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, For whatever reason, the only thing that popped in my head was like, oh, yeah, um, oh, hi, Mark. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hi, Mark. Dude, that is probably one of my, uh, oh, something wrong with the Johnsons. <laughs> Wait, uh, fair warning. Anybody that's looking that up, that's Ari Aster's first movie. Something wrong with the Johnson. It was his graduation thesis, and it's very dark. Just massive trigger warning if you go watch that. One. I, yeah, I'll stop giving joke answers. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I don't know. I'm kind of scared because like I, is this going to sound pretentious? And I, I'm oh, just my, a dumb my guy. My pick is pretentious as uh, hell. So go for it. Uh, so I love uh, Hateful Eight. Is one of my favorite. I think point. I like the aesthetics most of all out of that movie. Yeah. Um, Fight Club. I think I, I consider Fight Club one of my favorite films just because I've watched Fight Club about forty times straight in a row, and I just that's never my dad got bored with Reservoir with it. Dogs. Um, that's such a dude bro answer, though. <laughs> but yeah, Fight Club. Man. Uh, if if you're trying to go on a date with somebody and they say they relate to people like Tyler Durden or Walter White, run away. <laughs> Walter White, yeah, dude. No one, you can't tell me you watched uh, Breaking Bad and was like, yeah, I think I could sell meth. Yeah, I think you could do it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy. Um, gotta make so much money selling meth. I'm gonna make so much money, bro. <laughs> I'm about to be going 45 into 15 real quick. Uh, <laughs> you look up to me like I'm a pizza on the roof. Uh, yeah, I love them. Hereditary is like I love Hereditary. Mm. Um, again, I, I'm just pretentious. I'm pretentious as fuck. With I can't think That's of. Fine. Um, I mean, uh, Godzilla Fifty Four, mm. uh, Shin Godzilla. Godzilla fan. I'm a massive Godzilla fan. You can't tell. Nice. Um, it's not like we spend the entirety of last month talking about Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we never bring up Godzilla. Not once no, on this channel. No. <laughs> what? What? What is a kaiju? <laughs> <laughs> I love the southern accent in that. <laughs> my my grandmother's from Oklahoma and my dad's from Arizona. Like, I, I grew up with the whole, don't worry, son, someday you'll come to see the right way of looking at things kind of like <laughs> situation. So, I, I, One of my favorite uh, memes uh, in the internet is like these like, there's these guys in like Tokyo and then there's like mm-hmm. on this giant projector, um, there's like hentai getting played. And then it just pans down to this guy in a cowboy hat. And in the most southern accent, he's like, we're not in Texas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that video so much. I have no idea where it's at, but I, that's such one of the, my favorite videos. In terms of meme videos, I think it was like this morning, I found a streamer. And I don't remember who, what their name is or anything. But they said they were like a Skyrim streamer. I'm not a big Skyrim fan. I've tried to get into it, and I, I don't personally, and I know this is going to be a hot take that might get me canceled, but, like, why play Skyrim when you can play Breath of the Wild? I agree. I agree. But um, the Skyrim shuffle is the best. <laughs> when you're done recording with me, go look yeah. up the Skyrim shuffle. It's, it is so, it's like a 30-second, like, YouTube poop kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just... In fact, I may as well explain it. This dude like <laughs> tries to pickpocket somebody else, and it's like a little level up thing. And he goes, "Hey, who leveled up?" Turns around. Were you trying to tickle me? Take a step back. Now to the right. T- 
to the right <laughs> and to the left <laughs> to the left like it's so freaking dumb but i love it um and i introduced someone to the skyrim shuffle this morning and they were like that is the dumbest thing i've ever watched thank you thank <laughs> you <laughs> They were grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. But to answer the question I've been asking both of y'all, um, yeah. when I was growing up, my father's been a big fan of Tarantino. My mother loves the Avatar movie, like the Blue People Avatar movie, yeah. and like Iron Man, and like all that sort of stuff. And I always loved indie games, but I never really watched indie movies. Right. Like, I, I love like fast written, well written dialogue, like anything like Aaron Sorkin. And I don't know if. if he's been canceled yet or not but like west so wing is one not. of my so far we're uh, good. cool but yeah. west wing is one of my favorite shows yeah like it's politics not great it's writing amazing <laughs> but uh my favorite movie is one done by david diggs and rafael casal called blind spotting dude blinds wait blind spotting yeah i recognize that explain that a little bit more uh, David Diggs is a member of one of my favorite bands called Clipping, but everyone knows him from Hamilton. He played yeah. uh, Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. Okay. And Rafael Casal is a Bay Area underground hip hop artist that's good friends with David. And Blind Spotting is essentially about race relations and gentrification in Oakland, California. And that is fascinating. That yeah. The general premise is uh, David plays this man by the name of Colin who has three days left on his probationary sentence to get out of prison. Like, he's in a halfway house and he's about to get out of prison. And his friend Miles, played by Raphael, is like the typical, you know, he's he's this, like, white guy who's trying to act tough. Like, like man, is this an Uber? Like, that kind of shit. Right. And <laughs> one of my favorite lines is he he picks up a he buys a gun like a unlicensed gun and colin is just like you know whenever you have that gun on you just don't tell me about it plausible deniability and miles goes oh cool what you mean this gun like <laughs> that kind of thing but anyway it's the uh the point of the matter is three days before he gets off probation he witnesses a police shooting and colin is a black man so he sees this. He's working as a moving truck driver, and this this black man's running down the street away from a cop and stopping, shop, stop, stop, don't shoot. And the cop kills him in the street right in front of Colin. And Colin is just trying to deal with his relationship to, like, his white best friend and also, like, his relationship to his community and his ex. And all of this stuff is all going on in his head, and it is an amazing film. Do not watch it if, A, you get nervous easily... <laughs> <laughs> or B, you uh, you like endings that feel concrete, because yeah. the ending of Blind Spotting is very up to interpretation. But it's a phenomenal movie. That's fascinating. I've heard about it, and uh, for a second I thought that you meant Train Spotting for a hot. Spot. No, I want to watch that one too. Yeah. I knew so that's good. what you thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Blind spotting that sounds really it came out in twenty eighteen. Like that's a pretty recent movie too. I'm gonna have yeah. to keep that. That sounds really good. Yeah. Um I've been trying to get my Discord to watch it with me because I love that film so much. Dude, we do uh just so you know, we do movie nights. Ooh. Put it in a poll on a Sunday after Sunday night. Alright, yeah, I'll have put to it do in a poll. We watch movies. I'm in I'm in your Discord now. We ought to we ought to <laughs> link up like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we play games. We uh, do movie nights. Yeah, we have a we have a good time here. So hell yeah, welcome. Yeah. We have fun. Thank you. So, you wanna... yeah, well, I I wanna I, I also I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about like like music in general. You're a huge sure. music guy. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of that music is obviously making its way into break. Right. What, like, what kind of music? What are your influences when it comes to music? Like, <sighs> Take hip-hop from the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Cut out the early 2000s. <laughs> like no no disrespect but like my influence is like i grew up with like 70s rock and 80s pop and 90s rap so like yeah. early eminem beastie boys nwa freaking tribe like right. 90s rap and then again kind of ditched the early 2000s so like kanye west never really got into him uh kid cuddy Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi yeah. never really got into him. And then the 2010s came around. I got back into rap and I got into Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Childish Gambino. I love Janelle Monet, No Name, Rhapsody. Like, though, my influences are early 90s, like, hip-hop when it started to come into the mainstream. Yeah. And then 2010s hip-hop where you, like, minus, like, you know, Drake... <laughs> and uh triple <laughs> x and like all that sort of stuff but that sort of vibe yeah right that those are my influences but i'm not the main musician anymore i make music i think right. i make pretty good music just as a part of my ego thing but i don't <laughs> i'm not the main musician anymore so I would love to be able to go, hey, I want it to sound sort of like this, but if my mu- if the rap nerd comes back to me and goes, hey, I made this, it sounds nothing like what you told me, and it's good, <laughs> I'm going to be like, use it. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that this is what sense. I was talking about, like, the multiple hats in an indie dev is, yeah. like, sometimes you, you work on this mainly, but then you go and do some other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is... Some of your favorite ODST, um, ODSTs, OSTs uh, from games. Anything Persona. I think the best Persona soundtrack is either five or three. Four is really poppy, but Dude. five and th- what's uh, up? Uh, three is really good, but four is also really good, man. Four, no, it's it's yeah. it's like it's like four is a ten out of ten, and like three and five are like eleven out of tens for me. Like those are such good soundtracks. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> I can like, bomb, no diss I on can four. Persona five, the entire soundtrack, any day of the week. Yeah, no, no diss on four. Four is like the perfect Scooby Doo gang mystery, but like, <laughs> like we, I, I just prefer the other ones. I've heard four been described. <laughs> Come on, gang, let's solve a murder. Like <laughs> that's basically what it is. Um. So Persona 3 and Persona 5. Persona 3, Persona 5. Uh, gosh. Anything done by Supergiant, like Transistor, Bastion, Hades, like anything done by them is phenomenal. Darren Korb is an amazing composer. Um, I have, so I played Transistor. I love like, Door Transistor. That type of gameplay like sometimes get really lost on me. Mm-hmm. But I kept playing Transistor almost exclusively because the music and the dialogue sounded so mm-hmm. ethereal and like lovely to play like, i still so listen to like the song songs on the transistor ost every now and That's then awesome. paper boats is an amazing track um but yeah and then like kingdom hearts my guilty pleasure song is face my fears from kingdom hearts 3 like it's <laughs> i i know i know it's like trash hyper dubstep but like that wah, 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 like i just love that um, Shit sounds good, man. 
Yeah, my little brother listens to more game OSTs than I do. I tend to listen to a lot of, like, you know, like, lately it's been JID. Um, it's been the new Brockhampton album's coming out next week as of this recording. So I've been bumping the singles from that. Um, but also, like, again, 70 rock, 70s rock and 80s pop. So I've been listening to a lot of, like, Filet Ado Arab Fallout Boy mm-hmm. and Carly Rae Jepsen. Like, <laughs> people sleep on Carly, but she, she sounds good. Yeah, her and, like, Dua Lipa as well. Yeah. Dua Lipa, it gives me major, like, Prince vibes. Um, That's fascinating. But also, but also, like, there was this great image. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Andrew Huang, but he's this great music YouTuber. I do, um, I do know him. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I love him. Uh, but we were... I was he posted this tweet that was like which of your music tastes is like this and it was a it was that meme image of those two houses on the bay that were one was painted completely black and the other was painted completely pastel pink and I I don't know if I got the top response but it was like me when I listened to Carly Rae Jepsen versus me when I listened to Clipping like that was like <laughs> yeah I love that it looks like it looks like you're all over the spectrum man I try to be I, I, I try. <laughs> it's like Skittles, man. You got to taste the rainbow. You got to gotta be in there. You got to taste all the flavors on this exact same way. I'll have country music. I'll have uh, death metal right next to behind one another. Uh, pop, rap, all this stuff. So I, what's it, your... Hmm? Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. You were gonna... Oh, no, no, no I was ahead. just going to say that even though I'm from Sacramento, I can't stand death grips. Go ahead. <laughs> oh come on! Man. There's a couple good Death Grip songs. It goes, it goes, it goes, it goes. Truck, you do like that, like kind of like like mindless hype song, though. Dude, like, my head is empty, so I gotta fill it with just yeah. just anything to rage me. <laughs> I remember, I remember one time specifically, you were animating in 2017, and I'm right behind you, and you're wearing your big like can air like headphones that you brought in from home. Yeah. And I like sit down next to you and from my chair I hear in your ears just the same guitar riff riff played over and over again in some heavy metal song and you're just staring at Maya like completely dead eyed. Dude, yeah, that is called what I, I like to call the zone. It's like my mind has left my body and my my arms and legs just move on their own. <laughs> when you when you peak in a certain when you get into a certain skill level you peak out where you stop having to think about what you're doing and you gotta go ultra instinct and you're just moving you start moving on your own that yeah. was me when uh awaken my love by uh childish gambino came out i like just i would zone out while listening to that album i was like literally just laying in bed while Redbone plays in the distance like <laughs> Um, I remember there was a there was a teacher at our school that was really into uh, Redbone, and he was uh, playing it during class on the projector while we were like working on like projects and stuff. And mm-hmm. he got up and left the room, and I went up to the computer, and there's a Kermit, Kermit like <laughs> yeah, um, it's so Kermit great. singing Redbone. <laughs> yeah, Kermit singing Redbone. Uh, Ryan, you may know it was Evans. I did it to no, Evans. Yeah, I was there. I was. Oh there. yeah, okay, you were there. Yeah, and I started playing. Uh, and he came back in. He was like, "What? What is that? What, what is that?" Because <laughs> it was still playing the same beat, but then it had Kermit's like face coming. He's like, "You know, that doesn't sound that bad." <laughs> that and the 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 Carl Weezer, like those, <laughs> those are the best. Dude, the Carl Weezer TikToks are some of my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Those are good. I'm, I'm, I'm partial to the uh, woo woo that guy. Welton Ventures, love him. 
I found one the other day. It was like Carl Weezer, Carl, Carl Weezer turning Super Saiyan. Oh, God. <laughs> you know that scene in, in Dragon Ball Super where he's just like, I'm not going to let you destroy my world. Vaguely. They replaced it. They replaced it with like, I'm not going to let you destroy Jimmy's mom. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Ron, you, yeah. you seem to have like a question until we went off on Kermit and Carl Weezer. Like, <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, like, what, what's your favorite record? Oh, to Pimple Butterfly by far. Pimple Butterfly? Just because that is so, like I told you earlier, so personal to me. Yeah. Like, it, it it matters a lot to me and just my, my own personal history. Other than that, Flower Boy um, by Tyler, Ooh, the Creator. Love that. I, I like it better than Igor, actually, because it's more rap-y. Yeah. Um, and then... Is it is it question Flo- Flower Boy is the one where people were like, oh, Tyler the Creator is like a gay man, right? Yeah, so that was like that whole time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tyler the Creator is a fantastic, like a super fascinating artist for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would have to say, <sighs> Saturation Two, Brockhampton, but like minus all the Amir Van stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, again cancel culture that kind of thing we've had this conversation and for those who don't know Brockhampton they had a member named Amir Van who was accused of sexual misconduct and he got dropped from the group and like I originally was in support of Amir because I was like hey I've done dumb stuff in my past that I would regret if it came out like just I've done dumb stuff like I drank I drank a whole bottle of hot sauce on a dare like that kind of dumb stuff but like not like sexual misconduct but like you know dumb things it could be sexual misconduct depends on when the hot sauce was there (laughs) (laughs) but I was he he went on an interview with Sway in the morning and Sway actively asked him you know like how do you feel about what happened right and instead of like, you know, the entire interview, the man could not give a decent apology. Right. Like he, he basically, and I don't think this was his exact word, so don't quote me on this, but it was something along the lines of, I'm sorry for how my actions were perceived. Right. And I was like, I can't, I can't be a fan of his anymore. Like I can't like Glock 19 banger. Can't be a fan of mere fans anymore like that. I can't that do makes it. Sense. Yeah. That, that yeah. makes sense. There, that's a specific point where like redemption is attainable, but yeah. It's like it, it's very like it has to come off that way. You, know? yeah. you have to be apologetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally get that. Man, you're a fascinating dude. I try to be. <laughs> yeah. You like yeah. you like a lot of cool shit. You said Thank earlier you. that like you you're like you would like when you were giving like um you would like to give a presentation at E3, but that's not really like you to be or like you coming onto the show and stuff. This is not like your personality, but I would like to, I would just say, I would disagree, man. You are, uh, you have an amazing personality and you're amazing speaker, amazing voice, man. I can't praise you enough. I mean, I think you're very good at this. I mean, thank you. And you're also a great Twitch streamer. I watched some of your streams uh, today too. Did you see with the the ham on the forehead? Cause I got annoyed at that. That, that happened today. (laughs) (laughs) That was the, I, I saw this on the Discord. The one where you look straight at the camera. <laughs> go. I don't know. I don't know what the first thing was, but it's just like, I play. I'm a nerd and I play Persona Five. Do you think I get laid? <laughs> <laughs> remember that. <coughs> I remember about, that. Like, the rage that was like behind your eyes when you said it just fucking got me. It was so good. <laughs> oh man, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't say the uh, this persona. My favorite persona joke on here, since we've talked so much about persona, is uh, Persona Five starts off as you're exposing a gym teacher into it to the end of it where you you kill God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like start uh, start like exposing like real world crimes, and by the end of it, you literally kill. Kill God. That's my my favorite <laughs> joke I've ever heard from a video game. <laughs> That's all totally. of the Kirby games ever. You start out by like going through a little meadow and then you have to kill like literally the creator of the universe. <laughs> Beans? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Brennan, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Thank you all so good. much for joining us on the show. This was Absolutely. great to have you. Yeah. We would love to have you back at any point. If uh, I, I would love to be able to hop back on when the demo is available to play. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah, be uh, great. Cool. Maybe we could uh, maybe we could uh, show some uh, gameplay too after like maybe the next time and if it's done or whatever, then we could sure, uh, yeah. we could probably show a clip of it or something. Absolutely. Um, right. Let's go ahead and do the social media spiel, Brennan. Yeah. Where can the people find you? Oh, all of my social medias are in the link tree of the description of this YouTube video that you're watching slash like linkter.ee slash Capu TV. Like I'm I'm Capu TV on Twitter. I'm Capu TV on TikTok. I'm Capu TV on Twitch. I'm Brennan McCullough on Dis- on itch. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but if you look up Capu TV, that's where you'll find me. Ca- like, Wait, you say it, so you say it Capu? How do you say it Capu? Capu. Capu. Gotcha. Yeah. Like like a like a Kia. Kia. Yeah. Capu. Yeah. Because I I keep thinking of Hunter X Hunter and calling you like Kappa. Or, or like, uh, not like Kappa, but uh, Ke- like Kepla. Yeah. I, I just like, there's like so many words in my head that's just similar sounding, and that's why I'm applying them. So, oh, man, I really, this, I really this might, this might help. Diagnosis, but this Dude, might I help. really do need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Kapu comes from the handle Captain Studley. Okay. Because ah. it was, uh, it was a superhero name. It was a superhero <laughs> name that my father called me when I was really little, and it just stuck in my brain. I made that my username everywhere. Nice. Um, but I was legit <laughs> watching JoJo uh, with like some friends or whatever, like years and years ago, and they were because like, people would call me Cap, and they're like, "How would you say Cap in an offensive JoJo accent?" <laughs> and that's where Capu comes from, <laughs> like. Like just it was it's directly derivative of like JoJo and like anime culture and trying to like speak that like sort of kind of English, right. so like that and I honestly like I may very well have to change all of my names to Brennan M when I get canceled for having Kiapu as a username, but <laughs> honestly I view it as like a homage to like anime and anime culture and how I grew up watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And freaking like Bleach and Naruto and some of the and... best anime ever, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That is the basic answer. The real answer is Bakano, but I accept it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, Kiapu TV. Right. You can find me anywhere. Cool, Crocker. Where can they find you? You can find me at Twitter at uh, Cyber underscore Calamity, and you can follow me on Twitch at Cyber Calamity. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Archija and on Twitch at Brian Brownie. Um, you can also find all of our relevant social media. It's going to be in the description, including Brennan's uh, link tree. Uh, going to put in a link to his Discord and everything as well, where you can keep up with the game. 
And I think it, your Discord might be in the link tree too. Discord's in the link tree as well, yeah. Yeah, sweet. So everything along you with, is going to be in the link tree for Brennan. What's up? Along with the link to the itch page to play the break prototype for yourself. Yeah, Perfect. everyone everyone who's watching this, go play uh, uh, the demo to break, please. Yeah, it's great. That's great. That's a great prototype. It's super fun. Brennan, thank you so much for joining. Um, we are also, if you're, you may be watching the video on YouTube, we're also on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and pretty much anywhere else that you can get your podcast through. Uh, just Google the Drunken Ship Podcast and you'll find us. And uh, we'll see you next time.